should get into some, oh, we should get into some obscure stuff too. Like why why they got why do they have ropes? That's a good question. You know, I that's, think people would be fine if we she, even look. That's what she said. That's what she oh. said. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't know no, that's true. I said that. Will said it just now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, hello, you beautiful people. This is Gary Horton. This is This Is Pro Wrestling, the podcast celebrating the past, present, future, history, legacy, and tradition of the greatest sport of all time, pro wrestling. Uh, I am here, of course, with my friends. This is Dr. Stinson, and this is Will Martin. Hello, fellas. Well, earlier tonight, I was your life partner. Now I'm just your friend. I'm wondering what has happened in the last two hours. Got you know, I just want to knit, 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 know what's your fit to see. You know? Okay. Yeah. I said a weasel because the weasel said pop. <laughs> my mic, my mic, my mic <laughs> sounds so nice. <laughs> yeah. oh, gosh. We're all we're all delirious. Oh, this happens. These ha- this happens with the Tuesday night episodes. We normally would here would be doing an episode on the NWA, but we want to get it right, so we're giving ourselves a little bit more time on that one. So hopefully, you've checked out the other episodes of Pro Wrestling History. This is a little sub portion of that that we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, we just, I think at one point we just talked a little bit about what if we did little side ventures in pro wrestling? Maybe, you know, fun. If if the thing's going to be like removing the gatekeepers, fun for the old school fans, but also bringing in new people to stuff they may not know about already, then some of these little side, uh, these little alleyways of information about, I don't know. I'm right. I'm out of words. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's no, like, you're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. But, uh, and I haven't even, I haven't even really, uh, drank yet. So oh. anyway, uh, the point is, is that this episode is just about a little round table discussion. It's a smaller subject rather than actual, like historical detail, uh, about like, you know, the people in pro wrestling. This is more about, uh, just a, a, an aspect of pro wrestling, I guess is the best way to put it. Today's episode, what I'm trying to say and doing so poorly at, is that today's episode is about wrestling slang. Rob Slangin. Slang. <laughs> oh, no, you already we opened slangin'. the door for Rob. We to, slangin' tonight. Oh, we slangin' <laughs> and bangin'. All right. Oh, too far. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. Yeah. 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 So anyway. Uh, to start us off, gentlemen, I just uh, jumped in here. We've got a few different texts that we're using. I uh, want to give a shout out to, we've got the comic book story of professional wrestling. We've got Brian Solomon's pro wrestling FAQ. We have the internet. I've got Wikipedia pulled up in front of me to start us off also. Uh, also, uh, Jim Cornette's, I want to get this right. Uh, Behind the Curtain. Jim Cornette presents Behind the Curtain. And it's a graphic novel that Jim Cordette put out where he wrote a bunch of wrestling stories, but he also has Cordy's glossary of pro wrestling terms. Cordy's glossary of pro wrestling terms. Um, he said, uh, he, he writes here, pro wrestling has had its own unique language since the pioneer days. Some of it came from the carnivals. Some of it was unique to wrestling. Some terms have now fallen out of use or their meanings have changed over time. Others are still in use today. This glossary is, to my knowledge, the first time these terms have appeared in print in one comprehensive collection. I think that's to his knowledge, but clearly we had the Pro Wrestling FAQ, which I think <laughs> yeah, came out no, before that. The so. other ones that we just mentioned. Yeah. 
And to be to be fair and to be thorough, also give credit because uh, Rob, at some point, I'm sure, will reference the Holy Bible, the U.S. Constitution, and or the uh, novelization of the Hamilton screenplay. Yeah, he's uh he's he's mentioning other other texts you might reference, Rob. We yeah. we did bring up pro wrestling FAQ for oh, those who are just Bible. listening. What do you mean? That? Yeah, the actual Holy Bible. He meant <laughs> Holy Writs. <laughs> Yeah. Are I you mean, not the one, a, the one that King James wrote? The yeah. one that LeBron James wrote. Yes, sir. The LeBron James version. Yes, sir. So, in uh, <laughs> Wikipedia, they say here Cardi, it's spelled C A R N E or N I E or N Y, whichever way you want to go. Uh, they say here it's an informal term used in North America for a traveling carnival employee and the language they use, particularly when an employee operates a game, aka a joint. Food stand, which is also known as a grab or a popper, or ride at a carnival. The term showy is also used in Australia. It's a synonym uh, for for carny. So uh, it's thought to have been popularized around 1931 in North America when it was first colloquially colloquially, <laughs> colloquially used to describe one who works at a carnival. The word carnival originally meaning uh, time of merrymaking before Lent, which ah. came into use around 1549. Uh, basically, like carnival. Long and short of all of this, yeah, we're we're saying we're we're calling it pro wrestling slang because I don't know that all of this is necessarily carny that we're going to talk about today, but it is uh, a lot of what you hear wrestling the the terms that they use. You'll hear it being referenced as carny, and it all started back from the carnival days of pro wrestling. Rob, you're the historian here, but am I, am I missing anything there to set this up? Nope. All right. Uh, you got it. <laughs> okay. It's the first time that Rob has been a man of a few words, but I'll say this. Which one do you guys like better? Carney or showy? Showy's kind of fun. Yeah. But it also just feels we've heard like Carney's. a type of belly button. Showy. <laughs> <laughs> You got a showy. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking something. Else I think Carney is no, more. No. Carney's more indigenous to to where we're at. You know, it's not uncommon to hear people. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, when I when I've done stuff like in the indie scene here in North Georgia, I've never heard someone go back there and say, "Hey, when we go out there, you know, we're only going to speak Carney." You know, <laughs> or, or or any of this stuff. But but Carney seems to be the 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 formal term that that's more indigenous to our country. Um, you know, you had the traveling fun fairs in the UK and then uh, showy is more of a Commonwealth term. Uh, so I tend to, to like what we do here in our country. So I'm going with Carney. Well, there you go. So I guess it's worth mentioning this other little section here on Wikipedia. It says the Carney vocabulary is traditionally part of a carnival cant uh, or a secret language. It's an ever changing form of communication in large part designed to be impossible to understand by outsiders. As words are assimilated into the culture at large, they lose their function and are replaced by more obscure or insular terms. Most carnies no longer use can't, but some owners and operators and old timers still use some of the classic terms. In addition to carny jargon, some carnival workers use the special infix. It says, I don't even know what that means. It says an infix is an affix inserted inside a word stub it contrasts with adfix i did not know this this is getting too educational won't this be fun but it says like uh it, it says it basically the example it gives here is like the word ears it says it's like ears right ease or is 
like like yeah. EZ or IZ like or like it's like it's like it's like it's like the best analogy you can think of is sometimes Carney, and let me say this just by way of preface that this might be the most dangerous episode of this podcast that we've ever done because workers, the people that put in the blood, sweat, and tears to do this, they hate it when non-workers use Carney speak. They hate it. They hate uh, people using it. It's their language. It's the secret code. We're not even supposed to be talking about this. So you're getting a special treat by by us you know going in and using what we know in our experiences and our interactions to pull back the veil a little bit to expose some of that but but when he speaks about the ease it's like it's almost like pig, a little bit of pig latin most of us understand pig latin you know like uh where you remove the letter and add a syllable to the end just to to it's not really changing the word it's just changing the the structure and pronunciation of the word but it's really the same thing it's still english uh, the best thing, the best analogy I can think of that would be similar would be like when rappers like Snoop Dogg add "izzle" to something. You know, it's like if a shizzle, you know, my brizzle or whatever. Or, you know, he would say something else, but <laughs> I'm not qualified to say. But uh, but that brizzle, um, yeah, I haven't heard that one. My brother, my brother, my brotherzle, brotherzle. Shizzle. You you fizzle me, my. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's no. that's that's kind of what they do. So I've I've, I've heard what? <laughs> yeah. I've heard words take day. Let's just start out like uh, just as an example, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but like when kayfabe, the word kayfabe itself can take on a bunch of different connotations. Kayfabe can mean uh, the whole, it can mean, it can refer to the whole infrastructure of the hidden language, the secrets, the, the movings about of the industry that the public aren't supposed to be privy to. It can refer to all that. Kayfabe can simply mean, hey, we're acting in character right now. Kayfabe can also be used as a warning. Like if someone's coming and they're a fan or something like that, and you see them coming, you'd be like, hey, hey kayfabe, kayfabe. And then people will snap. It, it just, that's what ease is. Ease can take, it can be a word that takes on different meanings and, and people intuitively know what it means. It might mean different things in different territories or different promotions, but it also can mean a, an actual restructuring of the word into something else like izzle or for shizzle or something like that, or something like pig Latin. So it's really complex and there's no formal, again, you're, there's no, you're not going to find a formal dictionary, probably the cor Jim Cornette's, explanation and brian solomon and and uh the uh, the comic book story professional wrestling they might have the best resources out there on it to provide something like a formal structure but don't think that it's a formal language it's more of an, a code and, and to one more example before we move on my best friends in the world are gary and will when we're together we can get that we can understand each other just by a wink and a nod just by an inside joke that nobody else gets and we we know each other so well that Oftentimes, just a gesture, a slight, a slight look in a certain way can communicate a lot of language and thought, and that comes from familiarity. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of carny is built up over knowing who you're around, and so what carny is in one area might be different than it is in another, like a dialect. There are dialects of carny, so you know it's it's a really strange thing. But know that no, you're not supposed to know any of this. Yeah, it's like whenever we hang out, it's like if Gary, if Rob and I look over and Gary's like scratching his butt, we know like that means it's time to go eat. You yeah. Know? Well, that's, like he, uh, Gary's hungry. I thought that was like a universal symbol. I thought, was yeah, like, no, I thought that, that was like sign language. No, it's just or, or that he's got or that his roids are flaring up again. 
One of those two, but either or. <laughs> but we intuitively will not. Well, you're 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 making a joke, but I mean, my roids generally flare up <laughs> to let me know it's time to eat. Yeah, so, sure. so it's all fans. it's all part of the cycle. Like it's a. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but Rob's right. I mean, the thing is, is we don't suggest as we talk about this, and we're not going to talk about it. We we're usually we try to be careful about it, even on the show. Normally using these kind of words just out of respect because we do respect this business and we respect the people in it. And even though we've, we've had our, you know, you know, interactions with folks from, from the business, we don't consider ourselves part of the business uh, enough that this is like something we go around doing or that we would walk backstage at a power taping and uh, just start trying to speak Carney to Tom Latimer. Elsewise, uh, that might be the last thing I ever said, uh, <laughs> you know, as Tom Latimer's humongous uh, fist was shoved down my mouth. So that would be very disturbing. Yeah. Uh, and I, But I'll say this, though. I, I And Rob's right. You know, I mean, this is kind of, quote unquote, secret code. And we were pulling back the veil a little bit. But but there's actually an honorable reason why we're doing this, because whether people in the wrestling industry like it or not, people are going to use these terms. That we, we live in the internet age. We live in, in the Twitter wrestling world and people are going to use this terminology. And so we at this is pro wrestling thought, well, what the hell? We might as well teach you what it actually means. So if you're going to go use it, you at least use it correctly. Because that's a great point. There's, there's so much misuse of it out there. And I think that's what really grades on the nerves of, of, of the talent in, in the actual industry is that, people are using these terms and they're not using them correctly. So yeah, we're, we're just trying to, like we do on all of our history episodes, educate you on what this stuff actually means. Aubrey Sittish that in the uh, comic book story, professional wrestling, he actually writes this and uh, to, to your point, Will, I was going to, this goes to that and kind of, it, it even sounds like, you know, from the earlier quote I had from Jim Cordette here, uh, and he published it in a book. So I guess he's, you know, accepting that this is, stuff that's out there so at least here's what it means um these guys say uh aubrey in the comic book story professional wrestling says while many of these terms used used to be protected a way of discussing the intricacies of professional wrestling without revealing any secrets to the fans that hasn't been the case for many years there are differing perspectives on whether non-wrestlers should use these terms but with the rise of the internet they've become commonplace within wrestling fan communities and are often used publicly by wrestlers themselves. In addition, using these terms is generally quicker and more expedient than talking around them with imperfect synonyms. So basically the wrestlers still have like that. They, they definitely still use some of these terms in the uh, ring. I mean, there was like the, give me the Iggy and, and that sort of thing. So there's all kinds of stuff that they'll say they know. I mean, it, 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 from my understanding, this is even how, you know, just as a uh, little side note, that a lot of times wrestlers from other countries communicate with each other. Or, you know, like at least some of the terminology remains the same. Uh, and that, that could go to, to wrestling moves itself, but also just like that they kind of know what you're talking about. Like it's an easy, expedient way to, to get your thought across. So when like a guy who speaks Spanish is wrestling a guy who speaks English or Japanese mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah, uh, w w one of the um, the careers out there that has the most unique, you know, internal language is the military. I'm an ex U.S. Army infantry officer, but you know, we have done maneuvers with uh, military forces from many other countries, and I remember distinctively 
deploying to uh, uh, Hokkaido, Japan, and doing operations with the uh, Japanese Self-Defense Force. And they had limited ability to use language, but when they did, the acronyms that we use, the terminology we use, there was a lot of similarity, and we instantly understood ourselves. I think you'll find that in most careers, most professions, there is a common speak. And Carney just so happens to be that speak that belongs to the the career of professional wrestling. And that's why I'm, I'm not like, you know, if you go out there and you say a word of Carney and that somebody's going to be just oh, grotesquely offended and going to want to pummel you. But, th- th- you know, there will be, you know, when people come in, me as an infantry officer, as an infantry officer, when someone, a civilian or somebody from a soft skill MOS comes in and starts using language and terminology that's peculiar to the infantry, it raises an eyebrow. It's like, eh, you don't really know what you're talking about, but that's cute. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, guys, we kind of covered, I think, what this is. Let's dive into some of the actual language. Let's have a little fun with that. Uh, uh, I know we want to quiz Will at some point. We talked about this idea, but uh, I guess, Rob, you want to take turns? We can read off some of these ones in the comic book story since they got a short list here. Yeah, let's do that. I'll go- uh, the first one in, in wrestling. Now, wrestling slang for the comic book story pro, pro wrestling, they're very like quick and to the point. So they uh, they have the general ones you'll know, and ones we've probably used more often than not in the uh, in the history show or when we're just talking about wrestling sometimes. But the first one here, like for instance, is face. So uh, a face, I think, is uh, it's short. Well, no, it literally says it here. Short for baby face. So these are your typical uh, heroes of the match. Uh, a reference. It's a reference to how many early heroes were good looking. So they called them baby faces. The good guys are the baby faces. So then it gets short into faces. So when you hear the term, uh, that guy's a face, then he's the good guy. I can't tell if that took like, go ahead, a positive go ahead and con- turn. I can't tell if that took a positive turn or like a negative turn from like baby face to just like face. That just seems very <laughs> abrasive. You're a face. Like, I don't know. It's an interesting point, but it's probably just so it's less to say. I would imagine yeah. it's all they're time, going for. Time is valuable, man. Gary, go ahead and set that against its uh, antonym there. All right. The, the other option there you have is the bad guy, which is the heel. Uh, it's the villain. Carrying the same connotations as when used for a a synonym for jerk. This is actually, I mean, not strictly uh, tied to wrestling. I mean, you'll see. I mean, the Grinch is, he really is a heel. So anyway, the Grinch Mm -hmm. is a a villain. And so, you know, you got faces and you got heels. Which is, of course, short for Tar Heel. Right, right. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um. I remember watching a, an episode of uh, of ESPN uh, College Game Day, and they were referring to Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, and uh, the commentator. I can't remember who it was, but he was like, "I remember distinctively him saying, yeah, what's not to like about a guy named Yeah Johnny Foot Johnny Football? He should be drinking a beer and smoking a cigar. Why are y'all giving him heat? He's a heel, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> they refer to Johnny Manziel as a heel. So yeah, that that definitely has broader cultural implications but you get the point then we get uh, uh, a couple of other terms that are set over against each other you've got the work and the shoot the work is any event that's planned or part of the script part of the narrative and then a shoot 
is the opposite of work. It's some, sometimes, you know, just like in any profession, even in education, sometimes tempers flare and, and true feelings surface. And when that happens, when real punches are thrown or real words are expressed that really express a deep-seated, heartfelt feeling that may not be scripted, regardless of if it's scripted, that is called a shoot. A shoot is basically, that's real life, and a work is part of the drama. So uh, next up would be a gimmick. Uh, so the gimmick is uh, just, it, it's its actually got double meanings here, possibly. Um, so the gimmick could be like the wrestler's character in the ring, or it could also be used for like a prop or a foreign object that's being used. So for instance, the Undertaker is uh, Mark Calloway's gimmick. Uh, he is not really a dead person. Uh, who's walking around. Hmm. He also does not work in a funeral home, interestingly enough. So yeah, I don't think you can confirm that, but yeah, well, I mean, right. Yeah. He's a dude. He's a wrestler. Uh, so I don't see why he'd do both, but, uh, but know. also, yeah, generally if you hit somebody with say a guitar in the rig, that guitar is likely to be gimmicked, uh, meaning that it's set up to not kill you when you get hit in the face with it. So, you know, to break right. apart, basically. There's also another gritty use of the word gimmick that's common on like independent wrestling. Uh, and probably, I guess, I guess like mainstream, like big AEWWE wrestling too. And uh, gimmick can refer to uh, the merchandise that a wrestler brings to a show to sell. So they'll talk about that we're going to sell our gimmicks. And a gimmick can be anything from a figurine to a t-shirt to an eight by 10 any of that paraphernalia that they bring to sell and self-promote is also called a gimmick. Um, over time, it's evolved too. So like uh, it, I was reading here too, that there's like over time it's evolved into also meaning just as a all purpose stand in for a thing, just any kind of thing, like hand me my gimmick or, you know, I bet that a uh, rat in the hotel room and I pulled out my gimmick and uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> oh. The wrestlers Ooh. will know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Rob, put your gimmick away. <laughs> this is what we usually have to say at the Airbnb when we go to wrestling events. <laughs> we already mentioned kayfabe. Kayfabe is the next term on the, the on the uh, uh, comic book story professional wrestling's list. Kayfabe can refer to um, the unknown origins, the the language. Uh, the secrets, the shot calling. That's another term, shot calling, by the way. Maybe we'll get to that. Um, it can also refer to the ease or the specific language that, uh, uh, that wrestlers use in the presence of non-workers or non-talent. So kayfabe is a, is a broad term that's really expanded over time, but it can mean a lot of different things. And then we get to mark, and mark is a term that refers to the fan. Basically, you've got two categories of people. You've got talent and you've got marks, workers and marks. And the workers are them and the marks are us. And there's lots of speculation on where that term came from. Uh, I've heard one story that said back in Carney days, you know, when you would do these games like the, you know, the balloon game or whatever, the games would inevitably be fixed. And uh, the the game attendants would keep an eye on the people that that would be the ones that would spend a lot of money to try to win the teddy bear or whatever prize they won. The game attendants would cover their hands with powder 
and would pat the back of the the consumer who was playing the game relentlessly. And that way everybody could see that handprint on the back, that mark on the back meant that they were a mark and they would be easily susceptible to being allured in or, or convinced in to play their game. So that's one origin, but there are lots of origin stories. I, I just like that one. That's fun. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's become uh, essentially at this point like a synonym for just a fan. That's, uh, you know, uh, just over in pro wrestling FAQ, I was looking. Um, uh, it says it can be reduced to mean someone who believes any particular aspect of wrestling is real when it isn't. Um, or you can use it as a verb, uh, like when someone plays along or is marking out, marking uh, out. even th- yeah, even though they realize that it's a scripted performance or whatever. It's just like when you get excited about a movie or anything else, like you could be marking out for Vin Diesel, which I often do in Fast and Furious movies. So, you know, there you go. Or Rob it also does, has, watches uh, the movie Deep Throat. <laughs> it has varying degrees of uh, pejorative nature, too. Like there are wrestlers who will refer to uh, – Marks just generically like, yeah, they're the marks and they don't mean anything bad by it. And then you have other people saying, yeah, they're just a bunch of marks, like a bunch of gullible people who believe anything. There are some wrestlers who use it, you know, nondescriptly. And there are other wrestlers that, that we know that take offense at the use of the word because they appreciate the fans and they feel like the term mark is a pejorative term and they never use it. I think of immediately my, my good late friend, Joseph Hudson hated the word mark. And he would say, when I, my experience, the term's not been used in a, in a positive light. So he would never use that term. Yeah. It's uh, interesting because like some people have like turned it around, like sometimes happens with words. Like nowadays you can, people just say like, I'm a, I'm an NWA Mark or, you know, like I'm a comic book Mark or something like that. Like, it's just like almost a term for nerd for some people. Now it's, it seems to be evolving that way in some ways, but I get it. Like, uh, Joseph, he, yeah, he didn't want to feel like he was talking uh, disparagingly about someone for loving a thing. And so, but I, I think it's coming around almost like, like I said, like the term nerd or geek or something like yeah. that. In pop culture, I remember Dr. Dre in the uh, in the song Dre Day or F with Dre Day. I remember him using the, the phrase, something he says to the effect of, uh, I used to be a mark because I used to roll with easy and he was referring to easy E, but he used the term mark there in a, in a pejorative way in broader culture, not relating to anything to do with wrestling. That's a good point. Speaking of pop culture, uh, the next term here is pop. What is a pop? Uh, and, and generally that's an explosive crowd reaction. It's uh when, when people go crazy, everybody talks about it in wrestling a lot. You'll hear about the road warrior pop that when the road warriors came out, the building, the roof blew off the place. Like people got excited about seeing the road warriors and uh, it was loud cheering. I will also say though, I have noticed in some communications with wrestlers uh, here lately, I've noticed that some wrestlers use it in general conversation now too. Like I made a joke at one the other day and they said, Oh yeah, pop. They either met, they were, laughing and thought that was funny or that they were going to shoot me the next time they saw me. I don't know. Or it just made him reminded them of their granddad. Yeah, exactly. So you generally often remind me of a grand grandfather. (laughs) Uh, Sad for true. (laughs) Anyway, Will, are you still with us or are we boring you? Have you heard most of these? Oh yeah, man. I mean, these are, these are commonplace. I mean, again, 
if you're listening to this and you've been on wrestling Twitter for more than six days, you've probably seen all these terms and have kind of a basic understanding and they do morph and shift over time. And they mean different things based on who's saying them. Um, but it's just part of, of pro wrestling vernacular at this point to, to speak this way. I mean, it's, it's become, I mean, in my opinion, it's become the language of the fans as well. It's because the fan community in professional wrestling, I feel like is, is, uh, it's, it's its own universe, its own world. And so it, it, you know, we speak in this kind of stuff. And I mean, I do the same thing. I use that in, in common language too. I pop, I use all the time. I've, I've said it to my wife a few times. I'm like, Oh yeah, I pop for that. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that just means I like it. It's a good thing. We'll, uh, we'll try to blow through these a little bit faster here, but Rob, I'll go ahead and do the next one real quick is over listed here uh uh if you're over or getting over i mean it can mean a lot of things like pop uh like you, you're you're over if you get a loud pop when you walk out there's there's that way um uh, it's generally positive like you're over like people like you that sort of thing but it could technically be a negative depending on how you use it like if you say i'm going to go over on that guy it means you're going to beat that person and uh so or or they could use it in the terms of he's trying to get over on him it means he's trying to get a one up on this person so oh but but over is a word that's tossed around a little bit yeah and it can mean like i'm gonna hey i'm like i'm gonna put this guy over this could be someone doing a favor for somebody like rick flair would often do you know when i might win the match but i'm really gonna put this guy over i'm gonna make him look good so I think generally you're right, Gary. It's mostly a, a positive term. But then we get with heat, the word heat. Heat is um, that moment either in an interview or in a match when you generate a very rabid fan response. And a lot of times if, you're, if someone's saying that you're, you're getting heat from the fans, it means that um, it means that they're booing you. But there's also that point in the match where if you're getting heat, you know, we get heat in the match. It's when it's the climax of the match when the fans really get into it. So that word heat can mean positive and uh, it can have a positive and negative connotation as well. It can mean the fans really dislike you. There's a lot of distaste. There's a lot of booing. Or it can mean that, hey, we're at the climax of the match and we've generated a fan response uh, through uh, the heat that we're generating inside the ring. Well, yeah, one of my favorite variations <laughs> of that word that I use a lot this is not a joke, uh, is cheap heat, which is, so there's, there's heat, which you're talking about, which is legit, you know, a heel as we now know is the bad guy does something dastardly and the crowd gasps and that generates heat. But cheap heat is when somebody does something lazy to generate that heat or, so, or the heat is, uh, is, is overproduced or overhyped. Um, and so, you know, you've got two different variations of it where heat can be a good thing. I mean, if you're a heel, you want heat, you go out there and you earn, earn your heat. And, but cheap heat is kind of the lazy route to go out there and to say something stupid and contradictive. And, and it's like, Oh, boo, you know, but it's like, you're, you're trying too hard. So there's different levels of it. A good example of cheap heat would be, uh, here we are. We know that 
You know, we live in the in Atlanta Braves country. Atlanta Bra- Atlanta was just stripped of the All Star game, so cheap heat would be like Slice Boogie coming into Atlanta and say, and Slice Boogie is from Brooklyn, and saying, "What's up, Atlanta? I'm so thrilled that the All Star game is going to be in Colorado this year." You know, yeah. because he's in Atlanta, and obviously that that strikes a a visceral, very recent wound in the in the mind of a lot of Braves fans being in that area and just, you know, that has nothing to do with storyline. It's just, you're there just to pick at the fans and, and an easy target is the all-star game. You know, that's a good yeah. example of cheap heat. Well, and I, and, you know, opinions differ on this and it all, it's all based on preference for me. The, one of the cheapest forms of heat for me is when people come out and they just start belittling the fans because you're going to get a reaction. You've got an arena full of people, and if you come out and you're like, oh, you guys are all stupid, boo, boo. Well, of course they're going to boo. You just called them stupid. Like, get, get your heat the intelligent way. Be, be a, a character that generates, you know, organic heat, not somebody that has to come out there and say, oh, you guys are all hicks here in Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Right. You, you could do better than that. Have you ever – do you ever remember, uh, and and we can debate on the nature of baby faces and heels in the NWA today, but does anybody ever remember an occasion when Nick Aldis came out and started berating the fans? Has no. that ever happened? No. He doesn't he do it. He shut doesn't. up, fat boy, at me once. <laughs> that was at you, though. That was at you specific- yeah, that was, specifically. And that, and that, <laughs> was, that was personally. That wasn't on TV. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I was, uh, it was on TV. Yeah, it was on power. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was on power. Wow. But you had it coming, Gary. It's true. It's true. I was doing a lot of booing, and I hate yous and stuff like that. Um, the uh, Solomon mentions good heat and bad heat, which uh, he says is bad heat is like if you're not intending to get heat and you have heat. I've seen go away heat mentioned, mm-hmm. which is like uh, heat is, where the fans just. Not that they think your character is awful and they want to boo you. It's just that they wish you were not on TV at all or <laughs> in the ring at all. Um, Corny lists it uh, just for what it's worth. He says uh, it's an all-purpose term. Heat is the negative reaction the heel gets from the audience. The more hated they are, the more heat they have. When the heel beats up a baby face, he's getting heat on the face. When you are mad at someone, they have heat with you. Silent heat is when the hot crowd goes deathly quiet, usually right before they riot. Killing heat is when a heel has so much heat with the fans that they are going to attack it or try to kill him. Okay. Fun. (laughs) Um, Also, backstage heat. So this is something you see a lot if you keep up with any dirt sheets. And this refers to if someone in the locker room is genuinely in real life disliked by his colleagues for something he's done or something like that, something about his, his backstage demeanor. So backstage heat, you'll see that in headlines. If you follow, you know, dirt sheets online, they'll say, Oh, so-and-so has backstage heat in WWE. And that's what that's referring to. Uh, let's see here. Uh, next up is uh, booking and angles. So we'll talk about that for a second. Booking is uh, the act of plotting and planning a wrestling storyline. It's basically, um, it's just, uh, you'll you'll often hear on these old, uh, I don't want to be like, I don't mean it disrespectfully, but the older, the veterans, uh, guys like JR and uh, 
corny and stuff like that. They'll often talk about, all right, what year was that? Who had the book then? Was it Oli? Was it, uh, you know, so-and-so? Whatever. They're talking about who was writing the story. Not like all the details. It's not like it is today where it was is necessarily scripted completely, but just like who's moving where in what story, like basically like plotting the details out. Um, so some places have a booking committee. Some places had a single booker that handled all those things. And what they would do is uh, your, your goal is to like sort of plan out the, uh, I guess this would work right into the next term angles. So the angles are the storylines the actual like uh yeah, it could be a single match or it could be like a whole feud for months or years like it's just like what's what is the story between these people essentially that's the angle do you feel comfortable with that rob no that's perfect yeah but then you got the bump and that bump is yeah, when you uh you is when you <laughs> <laughs> The way that the comic book describes it is the bump is the act of falling flat back, chin tucked in onto the mat. An essential part of most wrestling matches, bumping works to protect the wrestler while making the loudest uh, noise possible. Bump can also refer to refer to enter any general hit that takes a person to the ground. You can also have like a missed bump a bump that didn't go the right way, you know, where something would look like it was supposed to happen. Maybe a person was trying to climb the ropes and they slipped and they fell down and the hit didn't go off. They call it a missed bump. So a, a bump has a couple different connotations as well. Yeah. It generally refers to falling though. Uh, according to Corny here, a fall in a match or anywhere. Uh, he gives a example. He slipped and took a bump off the boat. Now, if you're a fan of cocaine, that is a totally different <laughs> meaning. So no, it's it's the same. <laughs> took a, I took a bump on the boat there. Ah, uh, yes. How about to sell? Selling, selling is so important in wrestling, and uh, it uh, basically I, I even hate the way they wrote this one here. To act like something hurts. Uh, it's uh, typically an exaggeration <laughs> of actual pain. Yeah, wrestlers can sell physicality as well as dialogue or insults. So, yeah, anyway, selling is just like acting like something bothers you, essentially, is the overarching, I think, way to put that. It, it, it's basically, um, well, here, Cordy says, uh, the act of reacting to a strike, blow, or move that makes it look as if it connected or hurt. You would sell a drop kick to the face by taking a bump and registering pain on your face, holding your mouth, etc. Even a real blow does not look good or visually exciting in an arena setting unless it's sold for the audience. More broadly, it's a reaction to anything. Example, he really sold it when he called his wife cheating on him. <laughs> what yeah. a great example. Man, and he uh, uh, he gives he he gives a specific definition, but then he gives a broader connotation too, kind of being being a little bit tongue in cheek. But it's true that sometimes selling is broader than just selling a particular strike or a, or a hit or whatever. Selling can refer to the entire match, putting a guy over to use another term for and the the example that's often used is Ric Flair selling 
to Sting in the first Clash of the Champions. Even though Ric Flair won that match, he sold that whole match and in the process put put uh, Sting over. So you see how these terms start to kind of become a language or a network of, of words to communicate a, a point. Uh, so selling can be a very precise thing. It can also be a little broader. You can also sell an event, you know, the way you promote an event, uh, and I don't mean selling like generate purchases, but selling it, meaning getting people to believe in it. Um, like in the, in the run up to, uh, back for the attack, the exchange between Aaron Stevens and, uh, Nick Aldis really sold that main event. And, um, you know, so selling can be, can be a very precise thing of how you respond to a strike. It can also refers to the broader act of trying to put something over. When you sell something, yeah. you're trying to put something over. I would say generally it refers to getting getting people to buy in more to whatever it is. So when you sell in a match, people are are buying in more and more to the match. Um, and when you have great promos, like you mentioned, at Back for the Attack, and you've got this back and forth between – Nick Aldis and Aaron Stevens that creates buy-in, you know, for the pay-per-view. So really selling is anything that creates buy-in from, from fans. Next up, we've got a uh, spot. A spot is a, uh, according to the comic book story is a mover sequence that has been planned as opposed to improvised in the ring often refers to complex, complicated or risky moments. Yeah. And, uh, Solomon breaks that down a lot more. Um, saying any particular segment of a match, whether it's a maneuver, exchange of maneuvers, or any other specific act, which is part of the performance. Uh, It could be a special move. It could be a high spot, um, which would be like a notable piece of action in the ring, or calling spots, which is uh, the dictation of which moves will be performed throughout the course of a match. The example Solomon gets is uh, the spots that Bret Hart was known for included the sharpshooter and running chest first into a turnbuckle. So just uh, basically like planned, you know, like a lot of guys call it in the ring and like kind of talk about what they're going to do as they're doing it. But there are certain like guys have certain spots they like to get in. Ric Flair's that flip over the turnbuckle and run along the ring and go up top and then get thrown off, you know, that whole thing. So that would be a right a standard Ric Flair spot. Yeah. A high, a high spot usually refers to a high risk uh, maneuver, something that's done up, you know, like off the top rope. When they said we're going to do a high spot here, it can refer to other things, but normally it's that. And, and even though every moment is technically a spot in common parlance, when workers are back there planning something, the spot is revert is re, is is re, references something that is a specific, very intricate piece of the of the of the storytelling. So, like they might be in a match, and then they're like, "Okay, and this is the point where I'm going to try to get heat, and then you hit me with that Scandinavian two-toed gredenza. I'm going to come back with a Canadian destroyer. Then we're going to fall out. And I'm going to fall on you, and it's going to make us. When I fall on you, it's going to make us look like we're falling into an embrace, and everybody's going to that's going to generate heat." You know, and um, and so a spot is like this intricately scripted moment in a match. Now, everything are spots for sure. You can refer to like when we're producing an episode of like AWF viral, Lex and I will go back. Lex Lee will go back and say, hey, go back to that spot where we did this. But 
typically when workers are back there and they're referring to the spot, the spot, the spot is that moment of high drama where there's lots of intricate action going on and uh, there's lots of choreography, as it were, uh, to, to bring about this particular reaction. It can be... It can be just for to get a reaction about, hey, this guy fell, you know, you hit him, he fell down, the other hit guy fell on him and his crotch hit your face, and then the other guy fell upon him and it looked like y'all were in a gangbang. <laughs> Before it's like the, the the it's a very crass, but it's like a, a good description of like how a spot is crafted. It's like to get yeah. to generate a response specifically. It's like I, I accidentally Does that make like, sense? I but I, I I I hit I hit that bump from behind on you and it really heated me up and uh yeah. it, and he grabbed your gimmick and then you shot me off uh and he sold and it, it. <laughs> yeah so it was the worst it. It, and you sold it and it was the biggest ripoff of my life <laughs> yeah a lot of cheap heat uh, oh, a lot of cheap heat for that one it was like go away heat is what that was <laughs> um Interestingly enough, I was looking at, you know, like one thing like AEW as a promotion gets uh, a lot of flack for now is uh, people, uh, a lot of the old school fans will call it like spot fest stuff. So they say it's like all these pre-planned like high spots, like flippy, you know, they they, they pick on it for, for that sort of thing because it does have like more, I, I suppose, choreographed spots in it i tried to look up and see if cordy had an explanation for it, but he only mentions the spot show which absolutely has nothing to do with the rest of this stuff which is a spot show is a show in a town that is run rarely or infrequently so you're doing a spot show in a town that you don't normally go to the ones you regularly go right. to are like the house shows but yeah sometimes you do a spot show somewhere out in the middle of nowhere anyway interesting all right we're almost through the pro wrestling one this quiz time for uh, will will <laughs> if you will? I think I did if that on accident will. just because the, the the for this one the uh picture given was the man who would have said that if you will. It's uh blading, and uh, that means just. Well, I thought that was using... Playboy. I thought that was Playboy Buddy Rose. <laughs> I mean, I guess it could be, but I don't know. You know, I love some Dusty Rose, but you saw the guy's forehead. I mean, that dude. He regularly was using a blade. Uh, the act of using a sharp object, typically a small razor blade, to cut open one's forehead. So basically, you also see it referred to as juicing, getting color, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. But basically, yeah, it's like you, you have a blade somewhere on your person and you use it to cut your head to simulate that you're, uh, you're cut open. Well, not simulate that you're cut open. You are cut open. But rather than letting <laughs> somebody like do that. Like, so... I've I've been privileged to to be allowed behind the veil. This ain't I'm not bragging. I'm not any kind of worker or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but I have got to be behind the veil, behind the curtain, with a lot of big names since about 2006, 2005, 2006 is when I got involved in the American Wrestling Federation, and that has brought me into contact with guys like Ric Flair, The Rock and Roll Express, Nikita Koloff, Raven, Joseph Hudson, um, even even. Magnus at the time, Nick Aldis, Magnus, uh, Mickey James. In all my days, I have never, ever, ever one time, I hear the word like color all the time. I have never, ever heard anyone use the word blading, not once. <laughs> not to say that it doesn't. I know but that my sample size is very small, but I've never heard me say, hey, then we're going to go out there and that's when you're going to blade, bro. Now, they refer to gigging or juicing or color. 
use often the most often terms for this are gigging or color. Uh, I've never one time in my experience heard of the word blading being used except in a textbook. Well, it's funny you say that. I was looking at Cordy's stuff here too, and he says the only thing he's got for blade is this is the device used to get color or the act itself, yeah. depending on usage, also called gig or gaff. Gigging. Yeah, he says... Uh, I've heard gaff too, is, but the biggest, the most common term that, that you'll hear for that is gigging. I'm going to gig or I'm going to get color. That's the most common. I think anybody will tell you that. I, again, that's a small... I, my sample size is very small. It's not authoritative, but I've never heard anybody use blading in a, in a, in, as a verb ever. All right. Well, uh, we're almost through here. Uh, there's also promo, Rob. That's listed. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at the picture there. We were that? talking about it. Well, because it's like we were looking at this picture of either Buddy Rose or Nature or, or uh, Dusty Rhodes, and then I see this guy, and it looks like Roman the Snake Snooker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like a conglomeration of four or five different personalities who happens to hold a snake. That's definitely uh, mean gene, but that Rob's looking at uh Playgirl magazine. <laughs> Promo is snake. short for a promotional <laughs> promotional interview. And so basically it was for wrestlers to hype up events. They would cut a promo, uh any kind of non-wrestling speaking segment mentions here so that there there's a promo it's it's like a you know you're just selling the event i guess the best you can then we got jobber jobber says a wrestler whose primary function is to close or excuse me lose or make another wrestler look impressive and that's true they're also referred to as enhancement talent or whatever uh and then they mentioned that the verb to do the job is to lose for another wrestler so and it's not just jobbers who do the job, by the way. Anytime someone goes under, you're doing the job for somebody. Ric Flair has done the job for somebody. You, that means you're putting somebody else over or allowing someone else to win. Oftentimes, it is a jobber, a person who that's what they do, uh, the enhancement talent whose job is to elevate or make the, the stars look good, and they're just kind of there on a weekly basis, and they – Week after week, they, they get beat. I'm thinking of like the Mulkey Brothers or Tony Hurricane Zane or uh, every now and again you get like a, a higher tier jobber like an Italian Stallion or Rocky King or somebody like that that could do it. But a jobber was someone who whose job was to lose, but to do the job is not always done by someone who is a jobber. So here's one that I, I wasn't really familiar with and I'm going to ask Will so he doesn't pass out on us as we ramble on. Well, do you know what the difference between a faction and a stable is? Ooh, we've talked about this before, and I feel like we had opinions about it, but I didn't know there was uh, like an actual scientific difference. According to the comic book story of professional wrestling, they have uh, a difference. Let me let me think about it. So, faction and a stable. Let me ask you this. Based on so okay, let me get some context clues. So based on what you know about it, was the Four Horsemen a faction or a stable? Oh well, group of uh, technically. Yeah. I, here's a hint. Here's a context hint. Will yeah. During the JJ Dillon days, yeah, or the that's Hiro what I thought. Matsuda days, they would be a stable. 
Yeah, that's I what I thought. Say. So that means they have like some kind of manager kind of pulling the strings, right? Whereas yeah. a faction is just a group of wrestlers that band together. This, according to this, a faction is any group of more than two wrestlers who typically accompany one another to the ring, compete in multi-person matches, or even help one another out during a match. A stable is a group of more than two wrestlers who are all controlled and led by a single person, typically. Yeah. A so, so yeah. So like the dangerous Alliance, that was a stable because, because Polly dangerously was kind of at the helm, pulling the strings and stuff like that. But then like the shield would be a faction faction. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So. Yeah. I think we did have this discussion cause I know we did a tag teams episode long time ago during the pandemic when NWA was on hiatus and we were just pulling stuff out of our butt to talk about. And that was a topic of conversation. Very interesting. I don't, I don't know that I knew that beforehand. So I I just learned that just now. All right, Rob, I'm going to let you take the pro wrestling FAQ stuff for what you want to. And it's quiz will time. That was the first shot fired. And I've got Cordy's book here. So we'll, we'll just, uh, I guess we could just run through and have some fun with ones we think would be interesting. Uh, like this one, okay. Will, do you know what afterbirth is? Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like I at least need to guess. I don't know what it is. So I'll just tell you that up front. But just with context, oh man, I, I'm going to overthink these probably and get too specific and it's going to be weird. But afterbirth is it's when a wrestler has a baby backstage <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then just to go out and wrestle a match. God, man, I don't even know where to start. I feel like whatever I answer is going to be like very insinuative of th- something. So maybe you just tell me this one. Well, I don't know. I actually, now that I, since Rob doesn't have this book, I'm curious if, uh, do, do you have any ideas that in Solomon's? Cause I don't, I don't know if it's after birth, uh, I think when I've heard it before, it refers to someone going out and getting blown up, working so hard that they come back and throw up. <laughs> that's kind of funny, but <laughs> that's a that's a good guess. No, uh, according to uh, Cornette, it's <sighs> the action, if any, that takes place after a match, after the referee calls for the bell and declares a winner. That's too that's, obvious. Uh, I was see, I was uh, see, I'm an I was overthinking. So, I was gonna say it's like the the heat or the crowd pop after a baby face or a heel turn. I don't know. That feels that feels good too. Uh actually I like this better. We'll we'll all play. I won't look. Rob, you can you can ask us both and like we'll just keep playing that way. All right, here we go. I'm I, I wanna uh shoot. Uh you, you okay? <laughs> let me throw let me let me use the term in a sentence. And see if you guys can tell me what that term means. Well, and whoever buzzes first. in first. Okay. Well, let me use this in a sentence and then I'll highlight the term that I'm using. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. so oftentimes, you know, that, that trilogy of matches was great, but the greatest of the three was the Broadway in the middle. Mm. Broadway is the term. What is a Broadway? I'm, we I'm, know this term because we view. We've had this in personal discussions with many, many very important talents when they've referred to a match as a Broadway. You guys know what this means. Don't overthink it. I th- I think I know. I think I actually have a pretty good idea. Okay. I 
don't for some reason. I'm going to say it's like a draw. Is that right? It's usually a time limit. It's a time limit or a one hour draw, or I have heard it used as a match that ends not necessarily in a draw, but inconclusively like a no contest, but it must be to be a Broadway. It must be like over 45 minutes to an hour long. Oh, interesting. I want to see if it's in Corny's book here. Yeah, he says uh, a time limit draw is what he says. Also referred to as going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess going through time or something. So okay, so I didn't know that, but I, I do. I do remember hearing people talk about like Broadways and like no no winner basically. All right, here's one. Here's one. How about blow off? Blow off. Blow off. <laughs> Okay, well, I feel like you're you're baiting me, but so <laughs> I know I know that's what she, <laughs> yeah I know that was awesome that was awesome I know I know what this term means because I've heard it said before so but I might be confusing it with another term but is this where a feud or a storyline basically ends like that's the blow off. Or am I confusing that with there's another similar term? Maybe, no, but I, I think you I think you got it. I mean, okay. it's it's basically according to Cordy here, it's a showdown or the final match of a feud or rivalry. Yeah. Also, more broadly, the resolution of any ongoing situation. Yeah. So I mean, you know, to tie it to now, I think it seems like WrestleMania was the blow off of the fiend and Randy Orton, right? I think they got yeah. They're finally moving on from that <laughs> that uh, dreadful storyline that was risking the futures of both of those guys. So ding 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 for Will. Yeah, what did I win? Uh, nothing. You just get you win another hour of this. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> All right, Rob. <laughs> another hour. Uh, <laughs> we ain't going another uh, hour. I'm just kidding. I do want to. I do want to read these other pages though. So, but I'm only picking like one per page here. <laughs> he said pages. Uh, all right here we go where y'all gotta be (laughs) he thought he liked potatoes until god (laughs) until uh the nature boy paul lee landed one right on his nose sounds like what nick aldis is gonna experience one day if he ever mans up (laughs) (laughs) um a potato is when you like literally actually punch somebody in the front of their face right like with your fist yeah by by accident yeah it's not meant to be but it's not cool yeah it's not like yeah i think it's just like a legit shoot right no that would be a like a shoot hit that'd be like real heat okay potato is the face is necessary or anything any hit that's not pulled a kick a super kick anything that's not pulled and oh by the way that that leads it what does that mean pulling yeah, good question. <laughs> Pulling him. <laughs> oh, you're asking pull. us? You're the one talking about it. What's it mean to pull pull off or pull out? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say oh, it sounds God. like uh Rob's first date. What what do you what what is pull out? What is the sound it sounds like it sounds like it sounds like you're you're baiting me too. I swear <laughs> you guys are you guys are master baiters. I've never had a pull out when I'm baiting. Yeah, Rob, Rob seems so offended. Uh, what was the, the term again, Rob? I know what it means. What was it? Potato or pull? Which one? <laughs> pull, pull. Okay, pull. Yeah, that's that's when you don't actually connect, right? Like you you pull back and 
Or you connect, but you you don't connect with 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 harmful force. You know, yeah. you're gonna so make some all, contact, but that always makes me think about. Uh, so if you guys caught, which I'm sure you did, the uh, ESPN 30 for 30 with Ric Flair and his his story when he used to hang a a string from the ceiling and he would practice punching. Oh yeah, yeah. until he would punch as hard as he could until the string didn't move at all. And that was how he learned how to pull punches. So that's a cool story. Yeah, I like that one. Um, a potato, uh, according to Cornette, is an inadvertent or accidental hard blow, often earning a receipt in return, which, for those of you who don't know, a receipt is a returned stiff shot after a potato. Uh, more, <laughs> <laughs> more broadly, yeah. any payback for a perceived slight. I think so. I think now everybody's starting to understand the carny conversation we had at the beginning of this episode where as as you start to incorporate all of this and you can literally speak paragraphs that to somebody outside the industry would be meaningless. They would not be able to have any idea what you were talking about. Some of these are fun. Like I didn't even know these as I'm reading them. I'm just like legitimately getting it. Do you know what a carpenter is? Oh, a carpenter. Um, besides my mom's favorite musical group, <laughs> a carpenter. Is it is it punny? Like they build something? Does it have to do with building? Yeah, I mean technically yes. Okay. Um, they build storyline i don't know they build a character yeah i mean that's yeah i mean that's that's technically it i mean according to corny here it's a, a good solid journeyman wrestler who is used to put main eventers over called a carpenter because You're looking at a matt, cr- a matt cross says he used to help build the house in quotes meaning helping the top stars get in position to draw more money so hmm. They call them carpenters. How about this one? Yeah, Just makes- side note, real quick. Crowbar. I didn't. I've never even heard that one. Have you ever heard that one? No. No. I mean, I've heard of the wrestler Crowbar. Yeah. I mean, that guy. Yeah, talking about Crowbar. Right? It's a very stiff wrestler. I know. That's they're, they're crowbar. Well, that begs the question: What is a stiff wrestler? <laughs> well. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> why does Why does Rob always have connotations when he comes to us? I just said that's stiff wrestler. That, 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 that just reading this stuff, man. Uh, it, it feels yeah. like that's a person who uh, does not pull. Yeah, doesn't pull out very often. It's the potato king. <laughs> right. Yeah, they tend to throw <laughs> punches with greater force and tend to <laughs> uh, tend to apply holes with more pressure. That's what Solomon says. So, they're basically harder to work with. They're stiffer. And uh, we've all heard stories in, in our experience of, of that wrestler who the other workers consider to be stiff and none of them wants to work with them. The road warriors were considered notoriously stiff. People would go out that we read accounts of like Rocky King and uh, Tony Zane or one of the monkeys going to, uh, you know, going back to the, the Turner studio and looking at the card and saying, oh, my gosh, we got the road warriors today. And just be like, dang, knowing they're about to get beat up <laughs> for real. They're about to catch some potatoes. Um, how about this? Do, do you guys know what an arena rat is? <laughs> probably unpopular to talk about, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can infer. Um, 
Is it is it not politically correct? Probably, yeah. I would, I would is it like a, is it similar to a groupie? Yeah, it, it is a groupie. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've um, heard it called an arena rat, but more more often I've heard it called a ring rat. Oh yeah, yeah, ring rat. Okay, I've heard that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Rob's. Getting- I've heard those terms okay. thrown around occasionally, but I, I don't hear a lot of that. Yeah, um, I think I've this never, is all old I've school never, stuff that Cordette would have uh, would have heard. While we're on the topic, <laughs> rub. <laughs> like <laughs> if if, uh, I mean, if he's, a he acted offended you, that he's like now we're talking about rubbing. Yeah. So what does it mean when someone gets the rub? Will you, um, you want some context? Yeah. And at we've referred to Clash of the Champions one already, but in that match, Sting got the rub. Yeah, I mean that's what I thought. That, like he basically, if we want to use like terminology, I mean he he's in a match where he even though he loses, his stuff gets sold and he ends up looking strong. So he gets the rub. He got the rub because of his association with Ric Flair in this historic match in which he did put on a classic performance and that match was a draw. He very easily by one vote could have been the new world champion in that match. And deservedly so. And forever, for the rest of his career, even to this day, people look at that at the match in which Sting got the rub and uh, and was made. He became a made man at that point. So a rub is when you are associated with another wrestler for, for positive reasons. Yeah. Do you know what a gorilla position is? <laughs> uh, why, uh, yeah. I don't, maybe it's late, but all these just... Sound- Have you seen... Have you seen Bad yeah. Trip on Netflix? <laughs> oh my god, that um, funny. No, so I'm aware of gorilla position, and let me see if I actually understand the the correct definition. But it's essentially the 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 where the the booker sits, right? Where the producer or whatever, and they are essentially calling the show from from that seat, right? Yeah, spot um, backstage. It's essentially that. Um, so Cornette describes it here as this is a term to describe the area right behind the curtain or entranceway to the arena. At WWF TV tapings in the 80s, wrestling legend Gorilla Monsoon sat there watching the monitor and giving time cues and instructions to the talent. As there was really no standard name in wrestling for this position before then, the usage in WWF spread to the entire business. It's called gorilla yeah. position. Cool. Do you know who? Uh, let me let me let me quiz you on this. Who holds the gorilla position in the current Lightning One era NWA Power Productions? Who holds that coveted gorilla and very important gorilla position? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look at y'all's faces. You're like, what the? Uh, <laughs> the legendary. The, <laughs> The legendary Bill Barons holds the gorilla position. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, let's wind this thing down. Let's get to the real good ones if you got one. I do love that in this one, he has all the stuff we've talked about. If you listen to our Pro Wrestling History podcast, there's stuff in here. He talks about hookers uh, versus shooters. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, Will, what's a hot tag? Oh, man. Hmm. A hot tag is a much anticipated tag in of the fresh partner of the tag team after the 
current legal man has been beaten down, drug away from his corner. The anticipation's building. You got to get that hot tag. He's beaten down. He's about to lose the match. And then the hot tag is when it finally happens. He jumps across the ring using every bit ounce of strength that he's got left. The hands connect. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. I love a hot tag. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you didn't necessarily or specify, the- but it, I mean, I think it just depends in the situation. But yeah, it, he, he does describe this. It's typically by baby face. Uh, it's it, it's That's after a fight. Yeah, you're not gonna have a heel hot tag. Nobody's rooting for that. A hot yeah. tag is a is a is a tag made by a babyface at the point of greatest desperation. Yeah. Well, like a- or you could say it like that with no emotion. I like my version <laughs> better. Hi, Will Will did have a very uh just like energetic, just deep <laughs> description. I guess I guess that's how somebody that hates wrestling would describe it, but I stick with my definition. Uh, how about a how about a popcorn fart? Okay, you're just making shit up now. <laughs> no, he's got popcorn fart. It is glossary here. It's when you eat too mm-hmm. much popcorn and catering, and then you got to go out and have a match. It's a heavily hyped match, incident, yeah. or event that sucks in execution, or that the fans For do example. not enjoy. <laughs> yeah, should we list <laughs> the off the most master. recent examples? Or Shockmaster explosion match. Uh, Yeah, the 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 AEW um, exploding ring match. That's uh, that's that's definitely the most recent example that I can think of. Uh, The only the only other one, I mean, one I know I definitely see all the time is (laughs) Rob's still talking. That guy's nice. Um, A rib. I mean, that's the that's the one I see like used a ton. Yeah. Uh, which is a practical joke or like you're bullshitting somebody you're ribbing them. This, this one uh, I thought was fun and I'll shut up is Snavitz. Who could tell me what Snavitz Ooh. is? We're going to need context for that. Uh, it's also known as Fernum Snavitz or Fernum. Is that a tag you- team? <laughs> <laughs> Snavitz and Fernum, the Bush brothers. <laughs> Uh, the the only example he gives here is hand me the fernum to flip the eggs. Um, spatula? Skittle. <laughs> he says it's nonsense words used around Stop. outsiders to avoid being Skittle. understood. So so you're just trying to avoid being understood. So instead of hand me the money, it's hand me the fernum. Instead of I'll do the job, you would say it's I'll the do ease. the snavits. It's yeah, it's carny. Anyway. It Show me the fernum. It's Let's wrap Izzle this shizzle up right nizzle. <laughs> my frizzles. Wow. We yeah, tizzle time, and geez. nizzle to gizzle to bizzle. Trust me when I tell you we didn't even get to half. Like I think we may maybe we tackled half of the, uh, the well, guess what? Leg. We'll get a part two then, months down the road when we need another filler episode. So yeah, if you congratulations, like congratulations, everyone. Yeah, if you like the wrestling slag episode, let us know and we'll we'll give you more of that. But uh everybody's gotta go now. So we're gonna wrap this thing up. Hopefully it wasn't boring. Hopefully it was interesting for all of you. If you've never heard some of these terms, now you've got them. Hopefully we don't get banished. I was gonna say to the nether regions, but that doesn't really sound right. That sounds like hmm. to yeah. the uh hopefully this doesn't get us go away dark. heat. There you go. Hopefully we don't get go away heat from actual wrestlers because we talked about this. But uh, we'll anyway, catch potatoes, man, or get or have to get gigged. Rob looks like he he can hold about like three potatoes in his mouth at one time. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> anyway, Rob's nobody can see this, but Rob's just like checking him all, his old self out in the uh, camera right now, like just brushing his hair around and just it's anyway. like he's well, it's like, it's if, like it's every like morning Val Venus here. It's like every morning when I wake up, I'm like, dude, I'm getting a haircut today. And then every night on the show, I'm like, dude, look at this. This is amazing. Like this is the best it's looked all day. <laughs> Pantene, Pantene Pro V. Uh, all right. Well, no, this is just juices and berries. It, it ain't no chemicals. This is just juices and berries up in here. Pomegranate, oh little lemon juice. So not what I thought juice, he was Natural juices and berries. Look at look at that sheen on there. You didn't have a nice <laughs> hairline, Rob. I'll give you that. Yeah, listen, as the bald guy that. in the group, I'm going to need you to quit quit gloating. All right, well, uh, this is exciting audio, I'm sure, for everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thisisprowrestling, where uh, you can catch up on our live streams. We also do the Tuesday night live show after uh, NWA Power. You can catch that on the official NWA YouTube. We're very grateful for that opportunity. Uh at this is Dr. Stinson, at this is Will Martin, at this is Gary Horn. Guys, what else do you want to add to this? Well, I'll just say tune in for part two at some point where we will define the most insider term of all time in professional wrestling. And that term is what Gary is about to tell you to enjoy. Exactly. You want to talk about deep, deep, deep kayfabe? Well, you gotta you're gonna have to get real deep 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 on a slice of gravy cake thanks so much for listening everybody it's at tipw show on everything and enjoy your gravy cake.